So today I have uh, my dear friends and uh, co-conspirators on our first podcast for Binary Star. I have my friend Zach Peaster, Anthony Back, and Julian. And we're going to cover uh, some of the things that are happening in the blockchain and crypto community space, um, current events, and you know just our overall opinion on what um, startups should be looking at, investors, and also corporations, how they should be looking at this space. Um, we talked about this earlier, guys. We're, we're, we've been in this, the, the blockchain and cryptocurrency space for a while, but we've been a little bit outside of the space lately. Do any of you guys have any thoughts about you know, your previous experience you know, working with blockchain technology, working with companies that are using it, or startups that were experimenting with it, and how it might have changed over the course of the last couple of years? <clears throat> yeah. Hey, Colin and Zach. Um, you know, back when we started in the space in 2002, you know, 13, 14, you know, everything was new and fresh and lots of promise, lots of opportunity, and particularly around certain segments, you know, identity, uh, uh, supply chain, track and trace, and obviously payments. And as we've kind of iterated over the years, you know, saw great promise in terms of, of enterprises and startups building amazing products, still reliant on, on some of the blockchains that really didn't quite work for them and, and work for corporates. And having kind of stepped out of the space and moved up to, you know, you know 30,000 foot view and coming back down into the weeds, I'm not sure that a whole lot has changed mm. in, uh, in the last two years, right? You know, there's still scalability and security issues uh, with the existing, well, pre predominantly with Ethereum and, and, and a lot of other blockchains. Um, you know, the term, it, in terms of enterprise applications, still not there. In terms of mainstream adoption, still not there. Um, and there's just a plethora of, of scams and you know, cryptocurrency craze in terms of get rich next. So not quite sure where this is going to head, mm. but ultimately it, it'd be great to see if we can actually get things to work and some form of adoption um, to go a little bit more mainstream. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I tend to agree with you. Um, I'm trying to think of myself, like what have been the positive developments in cryptocurrency or blockchain technology. And I think there are a few, um, I think we'll get into it a little bit later in the discussion, but you know what I've been finding is the best blockchain projects are not the direct um, pure play blockchain cryptocurrency projects, but they follow the similar lines with fintech where it's embedded financial technology. So applications or marketplaces or platforms that already have an existing customer base and an existing use case, and then they're adding in a blockchain or they're adding in a cryptocurrency in order to make the experience better. And I think that might be, you know, an interesting trend that that should have happened right over the course yeah, of the last I, couple of years, but it just happened. We were talking about this three years ago, four yeah. years ago, yeah. right. And pushed really hard with a number of our projects that, you know, blockchain as a, as a technology, as a tool is part of your tech stack to enable you know, different business models, payment models, you know, different things to emerge. Yet, you know, three years on uh, from that last discussion, it's still wallets it still exchanges. Happened. Wallets exchanges. But I mean, yeah. I wanted to bring something up because it, it came up like, you know, as I was kind of, you know, jumping back into the space, and it's this term called DeFi. 
And so I don't know for anybody that's kind of, you know, understands this term, like uh, apparently, apparently to me, DeFi is just the new, new label or new marketing uh, 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 tagline for what crypto used to be, but they're calling it DeFi or decentralized finance is the movement that leverages decentralized networks to transform old financial products into trustless and transparent protocols that run without intermediaries. So that sounds like just <laughs> autonomous. It sounds, you know what it sounds like to, to me for anybody that remembers that time is the Dow, right? Which is an, like an autonomous organization or autonomous system that does financial transactions, right? That are, it would, that would be essentially cheaper than what you would get, you know, through the bank or through a VC or a private equity company or whatever. Right. But to me, it's like now, like with this DeFi movement, it, it's a little bit scary to me because to me, it's, it's the ICO rage of 2018 all over again. Only now everybody's got a DAO. It's not just like I'm uh, offering a, uh, an infrastructure or a cryptocurrency. Now I'm offering some kind of organization or autonomous system that is going to be doing some kind of complex financial transaction that nobody can then control unless it gets like, you know, uh, literally shut off by, you know, your ISP, right? So I think that's really been the only transformation from the crypto space is 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 better marketing <laughs> well I, I wouldn't even call it better it's just different right so so you know these DeFi uh apps companies whatever you want to call them i to me this is just another you know financial engineering financial engineering you know trickery you know you're robbing peter to pay paul and making money on the yield right which is fine but well, it, it's not fine. Uh, some people are going to make a lot of money. Uh, most people are going to lose a, a shit ton more, right? It's just another gimmick within the space that really doesn't add to the, the, the cumulative value or potential impact that the technology actually has. And, and again, we're going to go down the same ICO path that, you know, the same craze in 2017, 18. Uh, and it's going to crash and burn and put the industry back another two or three or four years. Yes, That's what I, I think. I, completely, I agree with what you both said. And I think DeFi at the moment is like, is Wall Street with makeup on. It's yeah. like crazy finance instruments, <laughs> uh, yield farming, all this like, we, it's just financial instruments. And because it's come out of the crypto community, there are people who are saying, oh, it doesn't have the you know, the corrupt intent that Wall Street does because Wall Street is the enemy. Um, and I would also add to that, um, I mean, Wall Street is the enemy of, of a lot of the crypto community. But I would also add that I think that little has changed since we were deep into the ecosystem. It's, it's, it's how do we make money quickly? And I think, it, but that's actually where the opportunity lies, I think that a lot of the fundamental issues haven't been solved. Things like usability, scalability, um, security. Um, there are some promising projects, but I just think that if you don't, especially usability, if you don't have user-friendly and secure wallets and a way to trade crypto, then you don't have anything. And I don't care if, if, you're, if you think that crypto is easy, um, then you're too far in the system because for mm -hmm. most people, it's not easy at all. Yeah. Um, for like the average so, person, right? Like mm -hmm. if you want to like, like the, the, the example I give is like, you know, um, 
you know, using Apple Pay as opposed to using Bitcoin at a point of sale terminal, which one is easier? Like, who wants to like start f- f- shuffling around with private keys and stuff like that when you want to buy a stick of gum? Like, you just don't. Yeah. Right. So, like that uh, that already kind of eliminates that use case, right? Um, but even more so, like you know, with this Defi movement, right? Like these lawyers, you know, from uh, Fordham University, you know, that are, you know work with regulators. Um, she's quoted as saying. Uh, you know, talking about the DeFi moving is calling a project an experimental game or an innovation is not sufficient to take out the regulatory ambit. So like, <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people looking at it is like, this is just, it's just crypto 2.0 and yeah. it's, it's, it's just more of the same things hyped up. But my question to you guys would be, why does there seem to be like a lack of diversity not only just in the crypto community, but in terms of the projects that are coming up, how many wallets how many exchanges, how many IEOs, how many of the same things are going to come out? Like these types of financial engineering products and, you know, you know, uh, lending and loaning schemes that are autonomous that just seem to be like, you know, it's, it's almost like intellectual masturbation by a technocratic group of, of individuals that really aren't you know, providing any innovation that has some, as you were saying, Anthony, usability to it, you know? So I don't know, you know, you know, what needs to change, in order for us to get better products and services, but it just, it just seems to consistently be, you know, uh, this kind of one upmanship between like a technocratic group of individuals that are very disconnected from, you know, the real world reality. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't, yeah. I, I don't, I'm hoping like, you know, we're not coming across cause we've always been interested in the blockchain, blockchain technology and in crypto, but we've always had a different perspective on it. Um, you know, now people hearing our voice, you know, like, uh, especially in a podcast like this, you know, uh, we might come off as, you know, uh, anti as opposed to contrarian or realist. So I don't know, where do you guys, where are you, where is your position on crypto and blockchain um, as a technology and as a movement like on a personal level? Well, here, here's the just, thing that I kind of wanted to jump in on with is and something we've talked about a lot is. In the crypto space, the focus seems to be so much on the next shiny object that's going to be the magical money box. Yeah. As opposed to focusing on actual problems and solving problems for business. There's so much focus on what's the next thing that's going to make me a millionaire. That seems to be people going from one project to another trying to find that magical money box. And then, and I don't know why that's still the case. Maybe it's greed. Why, you know, and I, I'm not, you know, there are plenty of good projects out there, but in terms of where I sit with the whole thing, I'm still very optimistic about what blockchain can do and the capacity it has to change things. But I think, you know, the way that the crypto space has developed and is still at today, it's still in its, in its infancy. It's still yeah. the wild west. I mean, it's still, got pampers on. still like, <laughs> and I don't know if, if um, regulation needs to be, you know, play a more prominent role, I think it does mm. um, because I feel like that they haven't really established a framework for how to develop these innovations. I think that that can play a big role, but uh, yeah, it's, it still feels extremely early on Well, you know, um, and you, not enough. And it's you, too far behind. You bring up a good point though, like, but because maybe this kind of Genesis, this kind of early stage and the provocative nature of these types of projects 
is really what is necessary in order for regulation for regulators to just wake up and to put something in place and for larger organizations to wake up because they fear disruption and to innovate and make these types of products for us right so maybe that's essentially what the what these this this community is the role they're taking up because if you I, I I would I would actually point to one of the best blockchain projects I think that came out or that didn't come out was Libra and the first thing that I thought was it's about time that a mainstream organization with the power and scale to actually do something actually did something in the space and tried to put something out like where is Amazon where is Google right where is SoFi where is Cabbage right with their innovations in this space it's just not there right i i i i'll offer a slightly different view right the 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 shit's hard right it's <laughs> yeah. it's really easy to sit in your mom's basement and you know pretend to be a trader and 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 do defi stuff and and look for that next pot of gold and your 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 crypto coins to go up from a penny to two pennies right looking at, at at globalization and global problems how do you solve for poverty how do you solve for financial inclusion how do you solve for the the tracking and traceability of safe food product from around the world you know how do you provide access and opportunity for the disenfranchised around the world to have an equal playing field right and, and again these are are systemic changes that have to happen at a, a a political level at a policy level and a corporate level and at the end of the day and i've said this for years it comes down to human nature and incentives you know in those three types of institutions policymakers politicians and corporates everybody's aligned to an incentive package to earn their bonus or whatever right it's very very hard to change human behavior based on the the wanting to do something good versus needing to deliver a financial resort uh, a result for the company mm. so until i i like the idea of 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 you know one of the the 10 wealthiest people in the world committing to blockchain that can actually not necessarily a corporation but an individual with massive assets and and influence could change those dynamics and we could solve a lot of these problems but in the blockchain and crypto world it's just really easy to you know work on easy stuff yeah and i think i, I mean i, I just really good point start, go, yeah go, one, sorry go ahead one kind of comparison i i kind of make to that is something you know that's kind of easy to make it easy to understand is distributed teams mm. right it took a global pandemic to cause the seismic shift for people to start looking at that yeah, on just, a global scale. Yeah, just working from home was like, yeah, we can't do that. Yeah, just for working from home. <laughs> like, yeah, to your point, Zach, like this shit is really hard. And, you know, sometimes I don't know what if there needs to be some kind of seismic shift for, for things to, to move properly uh, in the blockchain space. But I thought that that was quite an interesting comparison. Mm. So, so like keeping with this kind of theme of like, you know, larger organizations or people with influence that have the scale and ability to a move regulation and to create the innovations. Here's something that came up is Huawei builds blockchain platform to help Beijing government manage people's data. So how Huawei's cloud services branch has enabled the project with blockchain technology 
smart contracts and distri distributed ledgers. Um, the Beijing government is part of the, uh, and this is part of China's new infrastructure initiative to transform digital governance with blockchain so data can be immutable and shared among different government agencies. Now, I'm, I'm struggling with this one because, you know, there's so much political intrigue around this company and, you know, um, misunderstandings about China. Um, but living in, uh, you know, essentially China for the last 18 years, um, I also have these concerns. I lived in Hong Kong, but I also have these concerns. And um, I think of a company like Huawei and, you know, what they're embroiled in around the world. And I go, is this, could they, could this ever be, could this project ever be something outside of the United States? Could you imagine a company that might be, you know, um, you know, uh, politically exposed to a certain degree, managing your data just because it's on a blockchain does that doesn't make it better? Well, it 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 Facebook, Google, Amazon, Netflix—they're all managing our data already. Already, I mean, how is this like? This is just—you know—in China, you accept that you're in a surveillance state. Mm. Here in the U.S., we think we're free. Uh, but in reality, we live in a, a, a surveillance state as well. I, I don't, well, I guess the question, to me, they're, they're, they're no different. Yeah. I, I guess the question then is like, you know, I guess that, you know, when you say Huawei is like the poster child of Chinese tech, but is like met with a lot of scrutiny and political resistance from the Western world, I guess is again, is the, are these cultural fault lines, but on a global scale, i.e., the actual things that are being made is coming from a specific cultural lens. And then, you know, who we decide or who we allow to manage our data is also part of a cultural lens because yes, you're right. I asked myself the question, who do I trust more? Amazon, Google, or Facebook or Huawei or Alibaba? Like to me, like you're right. Like it's six of one and half a dozen of another. Right, but I, I, yeah, I, the, I sorry, go the, ahead. The, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. The, the, the problem with Huawei in China, you know, it's you have the opportunity to be disappeared. Yeah, right. At least here in the U.S., there's that you have rights. Uh, you know, some form of protection that you're just not going to get disappeared. Um, and I don't know that we have a choice anymore. I think the the you know the ship is you know the train has already left the station. You know, it's how do you, the question is, how do you capture back your data, encapsulate it, and then being able to offer it up in a way to organizations, but on your own terms. And I don't know that that's, within that's your, possible. Within your rights. I mean, like on, on a technological level, right? Like this idea of like self-sovereignty or personal sovereignty over your data is, is definitely going to be a future. But it's, it, it does become this question is that who do you trust your data with? Because I think people are becoming more and more savvy. But to add, you know, fuel to the fire, you know, you know, China's central bank is um, uh, the PBOC is says that uh, the a digital yuan is on the way. They've already started testing and they've done some small transactions around a property sale. So my question to you guys is like, you know, why is it that, um, you know, we it seems like China has been providing most of the innovation around this technology. You know, why are all these other countries 
or startups or entrepreneurs from around the world, you know, either lagging or not really taking cues from some of the larger institutions that are, are, are also innovating. Anybody want to pop in before I do? So I think with China, we see this across not just blockchain, but emerging technologies in general. They see it as a competitive edge uh, for themselves as a country and also for the businesses that work there. So I mm. think that, that that cohesiveness from being a centralized authoritarian regime works in their favor uh, when it comes to things like this. I think if you look at the U.S., there's so many other things going on there. Blockchain is yeah, just not one. on the priority. There's yeah. just so, you know, and then with the, the, you know, the presidential election coming up and Black Lives Matter, there's, there's just so much politically going on that, you know, people at the top are not really thinking about innovation as being at the forefront right now. It's happening in the tech space in general, but it's not really aligned politically. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump to another another article again um, because I might have spoken a little bit too soon, because it's it does seem like you know um, at least here or the headline is the Boston Fed is looking into thirty to forty blockchain networks. I didn't even know there was that many, right? For digital digital dollar experiments. So I'm just like, okay, um, I really do believe in the future. Like you know, the, the, like you know what crypto will be called in the future is just money. Like it is going to go that way, but it's just, you know, how it's actually controlled and what the governance is around that is going to be interesting. But, you know, uh, these central banks, it seems like, you know, they have so much to gain by, you know, and they have the resources, so much to gain by innovating around this space. I can't understand why, like there isn't, you know, the progress has been so slow with these, these organizations and it seems to be accelerating so fast in China when there's obvious benefits to these these technologies in terms of the ledger, in terms of the moving of money, in terms of, you know, um, reducing fraud and counterfeits. But do you guys see any country around the world other than China that has made it a concerted, concerted effort to go through this kind of digital transformation in their kind of government using blockchain technology? Is there anything, anything, any country that stands out to you? Yeah, I, I I think there are, are 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 countries that are a little bit more developed in terms of their thinking around the role that that blockchain and cryptocurrency can play. I mean, obviously Singapore is one. Yes, where you know you've had Estonia. Um, Estonia is one as well. Um, yeah, I think when you, you you look at it in terms of do you have you know thoughtful, pragmatic policymakers that really do take the time to understand the, the the ramifications of of x y and z you know what does it mean for us politically what does it mean for us as a nation what does it mean in terms of economic development what are the risk factors and do we have clear and precise understanding so that we can provide clear and precise regulatory controls or a regulatory landscape that allows you know, entrepreneurs to build things. You yeah. know, I think Singapore is is, is moving ahead there. Um, you okay. know, the, the the bigger picture with with China is look. These are are if we look at the history of innovation, a lot of this comes from out of the 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 war machine complex. Yeah, right? 
and, uh, Silicon Valley, that's essentially why it's there. Yeah, it, it, precisely. And so we have a, when you have a country like China that has just, just by sheer size and scale, when you have a government mandate, we're going to do X. And if you don't do X, then, you know, again, there's, there's significant potential personal risk to you as they're able to move the needle because it's in their best interest and it's just a mandate and a demand and you go along with it. Yeah. It, it's more complex than that. I'm, sure. I'm being overly simplistic. Sure. But at the end of the day, when 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 you know the CCP says we're going to do this, and and you know they then push all the resources into that segment, that sector, it gets done. So let me ask you guys a, a question: Is that you know, given like you know our history and what we know of crypto from 2000 and say 13, 14, 15 to 18? And, you know, the, the run from 2018 to now, who would you say were the big winners of the early crypto or blockchain um, ecosystem? And who do you think will be, you know, the winners going forward, you know, g- g- you know from this, this uh, vantage point now? Um, I mean, it depends how you define winner. Yeah. Um, Monetary-wise or... Mm. Uh, yeah, let's yeah, let's let's go with it. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Mm. I mean, monetary wise, like uh, is is obvious. Those that that were in early on the on on Bitcoin and those types of. I mean, um, I mean, I mean mostly yeah. like around pro like projects, like you know, like I would say, like mm, you know, okay. I would put I would put Coinbase. Coinbase is as one of right. the winners. Um. I would say one of the bonafide winners because it's a pretty straight up business and it's and in America, it's quite heavily regulated. So to have an exchange of that nature and that size is a, is a pretty big win. Um, I would obviously put um, EOS in there, but that's more on the, the monetary side. So I'm thinking things like that, but um, why, why would you put EOS in there? It's just the, the amount of money. Okay. The, the, the amount money, money. I, but I agree with you. It's controversial because um. I'm not sure, you know, about that particular infrastructure, that platform. There's just seems to be a lot of issues around the governance and whether it's viable outside of, you know, uh, gambling and uh, uh, exchanges. But I, I would put Coinbase in that, Binance I would put into that in that category as a, as a, as a early uh, crypto blockchain winner, quote unquote. But I, I'm, I'm struggling to find out. I would say like, you know, kind of post 2018 winner i'm a fan or i like the concept the like the concept of lemonade and the idea of embedded blockchain or embedded distributed ledger technology into these applications i'm quite a champion of that but i'm not seeing i'm trying to think of like who are going to be the organizations that started from the early part of the crypto boom that i see being around for years longer you know, uh, years into the future, I'd be curious to know, like, you know, how, how you guys look at that. I, I, I'm, I'm not so interested in, in, in the companies that are still around, mm. you know, it's more around the entrepreneurs, right. Mm. That, that have been around the space long enough to, to recognize that, you know, where there's opportunity and, and, and where you can actually deploy the technology to enable X, Y, or Z. Right. Um, I, I, I think we're, we're over the course of the last five years, you're building this base of entrepreneurship 
And, mm-hmm. you know, there's quite a few around the world where you get, uh, you know, clusters of, you know, you know, net new entrepreneurs that understand blockchain and decentralized ledger and the technology as a whole that's being incorporated into their business models. And I think that's really where the next wave of, of growth is going to come. Are these entrepreneurs using blockchain, AI, machine learning algorithms, et cetera, et cetera, and these mm-hmm. new startups where it's just part of the core tech stack? I don't think it's one company or a group of companies that are going to stand out. Got it. I, I mean, because I'm reading here about uh, uh, consensus acquires JP Borgham's Quorum blockchain. I don't necessarily know what that means because I was under the impression that Quorum was an open source protocol. So I don't understand what they were actually acquiring, but it says they're acquiring the brand. So it's consensus Quorum now. I don't know if that really, if that's a, if it's a strategic move for the long term, or if it was just for PR or press. But this is the kind of thing that at least like, you know, um, you know, we covered in our discussion, but like, you know, this is a company that's come out of the early stages of crypto. You can see theoretically has been a quote unquote winner, has the capacity and the ability to really kind of shape the future with a lot of things. And it just seems to be not in their particular case, but it just seems to be underwhelming given the hype that blockchain and cryptocurrency has had. Whereas a company like say Lemonade you don't really hear about the blockchain or distributed ledger technology. You hear about what the actual consumer demand is and what problem they're solving. Right. And I kind of think, so of why, why would JP Morgan sell off? Why, why would JP Morgan sell off an asset? Yeah, there, like, there, there, there's only one, there's only two reasons. Mm. One, it's a huge winner and they're going to make a fortune mm. or two, it's a dog. Yeah. And they got it and they got to dump it. Right. Good, good for consensus. Right. Yeah. So I think the, the, you know, I like the, 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 the way Lubin, um, you know, is he's a cockroach like the rest of us, you know, he doesn't yeah. go away, Yeah, you know, gets kicked down, beat down and, and comes back up. And, and I think there's probably a good opportunity for consensus to take those assets and deploy him into his ecosystem where, you know, he'll make a lot of money off of that as well. But mm. I, I just can't imagine, I don't have any insight, you know, direct insight in, into why they did it. But typically it means it's, it, it's, it's a dog and it's not gonna, it's not going to be able to run. Yeah. And, uh, yeah I, I otherwise that. they'd keep it and they'd make a shit ton of money. Yeah. They would have maximized that. Like, I mean, because it's a little bit like they seem to be out of like, in, in different weight classes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like is JP Morgan selling its asset is only blockchain asset to the challenger venture studio. Like, I think it seems sounds like a win for Lubin in terms of PR and press, not necessarily yeah. for the technology assets that he's getting. And then yeah. for, for JP Morgan, it's, they, they probably, they probably just can that whole department anyway. And they just like, whatever, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know, but it's like, you know, reading these headlines, you just kind of go, mm, you know, what's the, what's the news behind the news. Right. Yeah, um, I'll find out. Yeah. And then again, moving like staying in this kind of venture world, or at least like, you know, this kind of MA and venture world. So um, uh, the news here now is that Polychain, Polychain Capital um, just uh, added $19.5 million, uh, into their first fund, their flagship fund, um, which brings their lifetime raise to $307 million. So I think they've been around since like 2013 or something like that. But 
they got they raised tw- about twelve million bucks on August two thousand nineteen. So in the grand scheme of things, like this is like a, it's like a micro fund, like in terms of venture capital and private equity. That's a like it's I don't know why that's news that you raised 20, 20 bucks for for uh, uh, an investment fund, but I guess because it's in crypto, it makes you know the news. But apparently he's been, he's delivering. He's delivered one thousand three hundred thirty-two percent gains over the lifetime of the fund, so this is a pretty significant returns. But you would figure if he has those returns, or if crypto funds are having those types of returns, more money would be throwing it, be, would be sloshing into this. And I'm wondering why why this is not the case. Well, when 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 were those returns generated? Right. So that'd be the question I have. Yeah. Was it? Uh, saying, 2017, 18. Oh, they're I mean, saying over the life those of the are good fund. guys over there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're saying over the life of the fund. Yeah. Everybody had massive returns in 2017, 18. Yeah. Like, you know, in any schmo off the street. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But those guys actually. Everyone was a genius. Everyone was a genius in everyone, 2017. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Polychain is pretty good. Like, those guys are. are or, you know, they've been around a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think the, uh, I think I've talked to Olaf a couple of times, but uh, they're, they're pretty good over there. Yeah. But I'm like, you know, but like, and that, like, it begs the question though, right? If the returns are there, like, why are there, why are, why are, why are, why are more, LPs and institutional investors not moving into the space. It seems to be just like the the, the haven of the well healed and you know um a, a, a global that seems to be you know dabbling with this stuff. But there's no real serious institutions that are kind of putting money behind these types of emerging found of, of um, emerging general partners, which is again quite quite ironic yeah. because the returns are there. Yeah, but I think it's um, I think it's to do more. I think they probably see the returns, but they're probably more worried about um, reputation, mm. regulations, mm. Um, because you can hit a bad project and that can yeah. bring down a legitimate business. So I think that they're very, you know, the bigger the company, the, the bigger, you know, you have big risks, you have big risk departments assessing all this stuff. And I think it's just too, too hot at the moment. Mm. Need more structures in place. Mm. Oh, c- 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 come on, Anthony, take the gloves off, right? We've we've had these discussions, and and we know a lot of VCs. How many VCs do you know that? And again, some are really really good. Some most don't know are are less informed mm. about. Te- certain technologies and really don't know what's going on. So how many of these guys are actually going to make a bet on something they don't understand? Um, I'll, I'll keep the gloves on because I don't, I, I don't know if we should go full bore, but the, 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 the vast majority of venture capitalists don't understand. And, and again, I think this is typical of the blockchain space in general, crypto in general. Most people don't understand it. And if you don't understand it, you're not going to invest in it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's the interesting thing that's happening now. So, you know, Andreessen Horowitz, what, yep. like six months ago, yep. uh, had their second fund, was like half a billion. Yep. But I think what was interesting, you know, re- reintegrating into or kind of re-looking into the blockchain space, there's still a lot of articles coming out, resources of what is blockchain technology? What does yeah. it do? It's still, there's yeah. still so much of that. I, even CB Insights, 
just came out like last week with a, a what is the blockchain wow uh, <laughs> insights, right so it's like it kind of begs the question like i think it kind of puts that in perspective that there's still a lot of unknowns for most people trying to understand what this is and i think at the vc level for sure um there are very few people that actually are maybe know it, the basics but not enough to be able to make investment decisions yeah. Hey, interestingly enough, I don't know if you guys saw the the IMF put out an ex, uh, International Monetary Fund put out an explainer video that went kind of viral, at least mm. in the community, last week. A, a two minute video. Um, actually, it was very very good um, in terms of it was it, it was well produced. The graphics and the animation it was a little bit corny, but it was actually a very good basic explainer video of what is it, why is it important, kind of the risk associated with it. So mm -hmm. I, I, I just think we're in a new cycle where, you know, a lot more people are, are probably going to come into the space because all the DeFi uh, craze that's going on. Yeah. Um, I don't see, know. See, I would push back. I would push back a little with that because I think, yes, I'm sure that they don't understand it, but if there many don't understand it, so they won't invest, but, if the profits are that great yeah, and the returns could be that great, wouldn't you try and understand it? So maybe there's something else that's, mm. I don't know, just mm. a thought. Maybe like a there's something else. <laughs> I, let, let, let's have a separate discussion that, and, and <laughs> you know, no names included, but we can talk about venture investors and, and yeah. how they operate. Yeah, if, I, uh, I think that would be an interesting I, one. But I think, you know what, I think, yeah. you know, you've said it, you said it quite well, Zach. I think, you know, people that have come to know, know, know us over the years is that we're realists and we don't, we, we don't keep the gloves on. We kind of tell it to you straight, even though we're in the blockchain space and we like it and we're interested in it, you know, we'll kind of tell you whether or not it's BS or not, you know? So I think that's why people are going to tune in and to listen to these types of discussions. But, um, before I let you guys go, I, I, I'm curious to know what would you what would you advise a young entrepreneur that is considering doing a blockchain or cryptocurrency type project um, as a startup? Is there is there anything that you would direct them to do or direct them to focus on um, that would be helpful for them? Yes, yeah, I'll go, I'll go first. Mm. Yeah. Figure out the problem you're trying to solve first. Mm. And then figure out whether blockchain is the right solution for that. Yeah, I guess like so many people just yeah, mind. so many people just go like they yeah. they sprinkle blockchain on like it's like a like a seasoning or something. <laughs> yeah, when it doesn't it doesn't necessarily would, be there. Yeah, I would also add to that. Um, that's exactly what I was going to say, Julian. Sorry, hundred percent. And I would add to that, um, as you said in the beginning, think about blockchain as a tool can be made that can be embedded within a product that can make a specific part of that product better and don't think about the blockchain as the product exactly. so it's like embedding it in within a product within a small part of that product that it can really add value to that mm -hmm. area not that it's the whole thing that's a yeah. good that's a good point as well too that's a good point as well too yeah i'll i'll, I'll add and i've said this for years blockchain sucks except in the very rare cases when it doesn't. Mm. And you couple that understanding and knowledge with the notion that you have to build something that matters mm. and, and, and that it matters for someone. Um, outside of that, you know, be safe, be well. Yeah.
Well, guys, I guess on that note, I will leave it and I'll thank you guys for joining joining me for this conversation. We will have you guys all back again uh, quite shortly, but I'm thinking that going forward in the future, we might kind of rotate and have a few different personalities here on, on, on the podcast. But uh, thanks for joining me today. 